Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Are you ready to learn the business skills you need to accelerate your career? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business is now offering its highly ranked working professional MBA entirely online. Whether you choose to attend on campus, online, or a mix of both, you're in control, balancing the demands on your busy schedule. Don't wait. Start your personalized MBA journey this fall. Visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA to learn more and apply. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where leaders are created. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew Zero Sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. It's zero sugar, all do. Welcome back. It's the Razzball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am beat on, joined by Gray Albright, the Fantasy Master Lothario. How are you doing over there, buddy? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing okay. How, how are you doing there, uh, beat on? Oh, I'm doing well. I mean, we got a. We are pretty much full summer mode here at, in Georgia, so lots of golf. Uh, the PGA Championship was was fun. I know you don't you don't care about that at all, but uh, that, that was fun. we we got all sorts of sports going on. I mean, it's a great, great time of the year right now. It's uh, yeah, no, I hear it's I hear it's wonderful in in Georgia right now uh, for everyone except Matt Olson. <laughs> He'll figure it out. Well, we're not worried. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, oh yeah, no. Oh oh oh. As spoken as someone who obviously doesn't roster Matt Olson, we're not worried. <laughs> 
We're not worried, B. Don says. Oh, okay. Well, great. I, I, I'd love to have your optimism. That, that'd be awesome. Uh, optimism is the key here, Gray. You know, it can, can lead to everything, everything. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I have, because everyone loves to hear about my teams that are doing uh, terribly. I have Matt Olson. One, my NL only team, uh, Matt Olson, uh, Juan Soto, and Bubkiss, <laughs> and uh, and Suzuki, Seiya Suzuki. Yeah, it's it's been oh, and Ozzy Albies, who has after the first week, he's also uh completely vacated <laughs> his fantasy value. Um, so yeah, things are great anyway. Uh, let's let's do this thing. Yeah, our only hope in the NL league, I think, is the itch. So we'll we'll hope he can he can pull that one out for us. Uh, I mean, let's let's actually talk about it since you since you did bring up your your teams and where they where they are. What are you doing right now? If you are say top three versus if you're middle or if you're sitting at the bottom in your leagues, are you more likely to potentially look into trades in one of the other areas? Are you just churning your roster if you're sitting at the bottom and just trying to you know, you know, put as many innings out there as you can on the on the mound and in bats. What are you doing? Are you doing anything differently depending on where you are in the standings right now? All right. So you're you're basically you're asking me, what am I doing for all my teams that are in the, the bottom of the standings? And can I imagine what I would do if they were in the top? That's more yeah. or less. More or less, you're asking me to uh, to have a a, fa- a fantasy about my fantasy leagues that aren't existent of the top ones. Fantasy, uh, fantasy baseball. My fantasy, fantasy baseball leagues that I don't have. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that's an interesting dilemma. I would say. For teams that are at the bottom, like now's a good time because, like you said, it's like you know you're a quarter away, you're a quarter of a way through the uh, uh, season. So now's a good opportunity for you to assess where you're at because you know, like maybe in the beginning <laughs> of the year you were like, oh hey, look at that, I drafted Matt Olson, so I'm gonna have a lot of RBIs and power, you know, because I got Juan Soto too. Didn't need Matt Olson, but I went out and got him, so I'm going to have a ton of power. So now you should be reassessing, and you should be able to see where you are in a league. Like, if you're hurting for hitting or if you're hurting for pitching, then, you know, you should be able to assess that pretty well at this point. So I would be looking at my teams and trying to figure out, like, what I need and what's not working. Like, you know, there's a lot of guys, like, right now – the big name in the comments right now is uh, Fran Mel Reyes. Um, sad, sad trombone. Oh, actually, Fran Mel Reyes might have ate the sad trombone. <laughs> <laughs> that might be his problem. Uh, yeah, so, like, he's a guy who right now, after, you know, a quarter of the season, and we see that he's, you know, uh, he can't keep his average above 200 and his strikeouts are uh, bottom, bottoming out and – you know, people I've seen people actually speculate that uh, there might be an issue with his like contacts. I don't know. It, it might be a stretch at this point to, uh, you know, to start attributing this to like uh, health. I don't know. I don't know the problem, to be totally honest. But it is a problem. So, you know, in, in shallower leagues, people are wondering, hey, they're saying to me, they're saying, hey, Gray, 
handsome face and all that you got there, but what do you think I should do with Framel? Do you think I should drop him? And in shallower leagues? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of do think you should drop guys that are struggling like a Framel in a shallow league. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about all leagues, but in a shallow league, yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, another, another guy who's getting a lot of comments is like a Teoscar Hernandez, and he... I think you should still hold even in the shallowest leagues, but in the shallowest leagues, you got to, you got to bench a guy like that until you see signs of something because you can't keep rolling them out there. And if you can't bench them, then you might have to take, you know, the hard action to cut a guy. It's uh, unfortunate because we had a lot of high hopes for these people, but you know, in a lot of leagues, you have to start moving on in shallower leagues. If, if someone on your team's not doing well, and it's tanking your team because you don't want to get to Ju- July and be like, hey, I wonder what Donkey Teeth's doing over there with Rasball football. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not, you know, that's not going to help your baseball team. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really have, like, specific answer as to what you should do, like, uh, in, in a general sense, a, a general specific answer i don't really have for people but you really do need to at this point like start making hard decisions and start cutting people because you can't you can't continue to carry anchors in every league like i remember you know um this preseason this is a, a small aside but it actually relates to what happened uh to what we're talking about so uh a uh a a reader of the site uh, came up to me in Vegas during the preseason. Um, we were at, uh, for the main event at NFBC. And he came up to me and he said, hey, you know, um, first of all, you're even better looking in person. I want to say that. No, he didn't say that. So he said to me, um, you know, I came in second for the overall title uh, for the main event. And I was like, wow, c- you know, congrats. That's pretty awesome. Like, what was your, uh, like, what were some of the things that you think uh, led you to your success? And he was like, one of the big things was, you know, someone cut Joey Votto last year in uh, late May, and I picked him up in June, and then he had a huge, you know, June through September. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's crazy that someone dropped Joey Votto. Um, So, you know, with that said, those are the kind of decisions you have to kind of make. And I, you know, and I don't want people to drop guys that are going to go around, turn around their season and get hot and help someone else, because then it's going to compound your mistakes, but you really can't hold on to guys like that are really struggling. Like a, like a Fran mill, um, you know, even Joey Votto, like does he turn it around? Maybe, but he might have to turn around on another team. And sometimes you're just better off moving on because like, if you move on to another guy and say you pick up like, you know, a, a crappy guy, like a, say a Brad Miller, um, you know, no offense to Brad Miller if he's listening, but you know, he's garbage, but you pick up a Brad Miller and sometimes that just helps you shake out of like holding on to a guy. So you grab a Brad Miller and maybe you hold him for like two or three games and he's not, as good as you thought or whatever. And then you move on to another guy and then you move on to another guy until some guy sticks and in shallower leagues, that's more of a possibility. So I think if you're like struggling, you want to try and do that in, um, you know, in the shallow leagues and even up to like a RCL, like a 12 team mixed league. Now, 
in deeper leagues, you kind of have to hold on and, and hope guys get turned around. Like I, I'm not dropping Matt Olson in a NL only league. Obviously, I just I have to hope at some point he turns it on. Um, and then you know uh, quickly because I, I probably went on longer than I should have because I have so much experience with terrible teams. I was able to talk <laughs> extensively about that. But for teams that are doing well. Don't don't do much. I mean, really, like you know, it's like at that point, it reminds me. You know, the teams that are doing well reminds me of. Uh, I had a friend who uh, who had a a father who was really sick. He wasn't he wasn't doing well, um, but he was he was alive, and and that was the important thing. And you know, my friend would say, like, you know, my dad's he's holding together his torso. <laughs> it's like basically just keeping the torso intact. And that's kind of what you should be doing with your 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 best teams. You don't want to do too much. Like you don't want to like rock the boat. You want to kind of keep the torso intact. You want to you want to hold on to the guys that are doing well and you want to like maybe make little moves. Like, you know, like maybe a you know, a Steven Matz gets injured and you add like a Ronis Contreras who will go over We'll go over in a little bit, but like you, you want to do little moves like that. You don't want to do anything big. Like you don't want to do big trades and you shouldn't, you should try and like, just hold the torso for the, for your teams that are doing well. And, you know, I, I self-deprecate. I, I do have a few teams that are doing uh, well, thankfully. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have one or two teams that are doing well. You would think a dead cat bounce out of all my drafts, I would have at least a few good teams. <laughs> so I do have a few good teams. And with those good teams, I'm doing, I'm doing like so minimal moves. Like I, I'm still holding on to Cesar Hernandez in like one team that's doing well because I can. And that's the, the – you know, the good part about having a good team is like you can kind of hold the guys who are struggling. Like one of my good teams, I have Lane Thomas, who's just, you know, obviously I have uh, I have guys outside of just nationals. <laughs> I feel like I'm only naming nationals, but I have like Lane Thomas, who I saw this week and started to get hot. And now he's batting lead off uh, on Monday. We're recording this on Monday. So Lane Thomas is now like so he's suddenly gone hot and he's moved up the order. And now I'm, you know, because my team was doing well, I was able to hold Lane Thomas for a while. And now I've moved him into my everyday lineup and we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't have, you know, huge hopes as I did in the preseason, but I still think he can turn his season around. So, yeah, it's like, you know, it's a balance of like not doing too much when you're doing well in a league and doing a lot when you're at the bottom and you're trying, you're trying, you're basically, you're trying to do as much as you can without it feeling like you're rearranging the deck chairs on a Titanic. Yes, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think uh, something that we kind of, you kind of mentioned there in there without mentioning it is if you are at the top, you can potentially buy low on some of those guys who are struggling that maybe you know, the, the bottom teams in your, your league are benching or are potentially looking at cutting like a Fran Reyes, like a Teoscar, um, you know, and then maybe then you're sitting on somebody who can be a top, you know, 30 player versus, you know, sitting on somebody who can be like a top 150 player from the wire. Uh, so there is some potential to move up there on the top, but in the bottom, I think you're right. You just gotta gotta do make a lot of moves. Um, again, if you're if you're struggling in a shallower league, 
just drop who drop whoever and just make sure you always have a full lineup. Just start getting playing the matchups as much as you can. See if you can just stack your lineup full of stats for the day. Someone who's not going to help you stack the stats for any day is uh, Max Scherzer. He heads to the IR. For now, it looks like it's Trevor Williamson and David David Peterson who are going to benefit in the Mets now that they've lost DeGrom, McGill, and Scherzer for the time being. Uh, I mean, are you interested in Williams and Peterson at all outside of NL only or, or, or deep leagues? No, I, honestly, even in my NL only leagues, I didn't even look for Trevor Williams or uh, Peterson. I have I have no interest. I if I had like a team where I was really struggling with NL only, uh, I would say Peterson first before Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams, I have no hope for whatsoever. Um, I, I don't I don't think he's worth even looking at in uh, twelve team NL only. But you know, I mean. If the matchups are right, if I don't know, I honestly don't know who the Mets are going to be facing upcoming. But, you know, if they're facing like if they randomly go against the Pirates or something, then, you know, I guess there's worse matchups. But, yeah, for uh, for in general matchups not included, I'm not interested in either of those guys. All right. Fair. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, moving on to somebody who is probably on a lot of teams that did start the season and struggle out of the gate, but he has turned it around and, and is helping Trevor story. He has five home runs, six home runs over the last 10 days, which are his whole six home runs on the season, uh, two stolen bases over 300. It, and that's over the last week. So launch angles up to 24 has the best barrel rate of his career right now, while simultaneously having the worst Hard hit rate. I'm not really sure how those two correlate, but that's that. Just it's. I think it's a a launch angle thing. Um, do we think he's adjusted to Fenway and he's just finally figured out how he needs to hit it over the Green Monster, or are you selling while you can with Trevor Story? Uh, yeah, no, I just. Uh, uh, I'll say in a second, but I just did have a thought that Trevor Story. Uh, if you had benched Trevor Story in a weekly league last week, whoa, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing you ever would. I mean, it's kind of a scenario that's really unlikely because, you know, uh, you, you did draft Trevor Story still in like, you know, the top three or four rounds. So you probably didn't bench him. But if you did, oh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, that hurts, man. That's when you're like, uh, keep it a. Hey baby, keep an eye on me because I'm feeling dangerous. <laughs> I uh, I'd say with Trevor's story, um, you know, honestly, and two, like as for as far as the player raider goes, which is kind of it's kind of interesting. I don't remember this big of a drop. I mean, excuse me, this big of a jump in a uh, in a long time. Uh, it's early, obviously. It's still fairly early in the season, but he went from 225 overall. To now he's at thirty-one overall. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> insane. That I, that is it's like I wish that on Matt Olson. <laughs> Please <laughs> give me that. Give me something like that. Oh God, that is that sounds so beautiful. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, as for Trevor Story specifically, you know, I. I mean, I did like I like Trevor Story going into the year. I got real cold feet there 
uh, like about a month in, as I'm sure his owners got cold feet too, which is like, you know, it's always hard to, you know, buy or sell early in the season because you don't know fully like it, it, like something like the Trevor story, the last week of Trevor story could happen and he could correct all his, you know, his, all his problems in like a very short time, which he did. So it's like, it's unfortunate if you sold him low, because I do think like in Fenway, a, 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 a really uh, high launch angle, like he has, like you mentioned is really, I mean, obviously it's great for Fenway because of left field and the green monster. So, you know, I don't think like, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to like, he probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a huge, home and away guy now like if his splits are really pronounced because i think you know like that launch angle is not going to play well anywhere else really i mean maybe maybe it's okay for yankee stadium i guess but you know in most places he's going to be hitting three uh 380 foot outs to the left fielder uh regularly like he's a he's got like oh for four um, two K's and two flyouts written all over his numbers. Like he def he definitely looks like a 250 hitter versus you know anything that we we used to see in like um, you know in cores back in the day. Like he's I I think he's a 250 hitter, and that's you know in Fenway with a really high Babbitt that Fenway get that Fenway affords hitters a very high Babbitt. So you know like. Outside of Fenway, he might hit, you know, 210. And in Fenway, he might hit 280. Uh, I think I think it could be that big of a, a difference in his splits. But I do think he's probably going to be fine. You know, he was, he was always like – he's been this hitter for a while now. It's a little bit more pronounced with the launch angle recently. But he's been sort of this hitter for a spell. Even, like, when he was in Coors, he's like, you know, a – a pretty high uh, fly ball hitter, um, not quite this high, but but high, uh, and a uh, you know not not the most not the greatest of hard contact. Like his line drives were down last year, they're sort of down this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be okay. You know, I think he's probably gonna return top fifty overall value. I I don't think like even. You know, even in the Red Sox lineup, at worst, you know, it's kind of like the situation with like uh, that I, I was saying. Um, you know, in in last week's buy sell hold, I was saying with Justin Turner that like you know it's going to be hard for certain guys in certain lineups to be totally bad. It's just like they're going to be decent because there's just so much offense around them that's going to be hard for them to be really awful. Like you might not expect Enrique Hernandez, for instance, to be great. But if he stays at the top of the Red Sox lineup, it's going to be hard to be that bad. And I feel like similar with Trevor Story, but in a in a bigger respect, in a bigger, um, you know, he's going to be better because he's going to have, you know, 30, 27 to 32-ish homer power and 15-ish steals and probably hit between 245 and 255. Yeah, I think that sounds reasonable, and I think the home and away thing is something that, I mean, doesn't really change that much from his Colorado days. It was always, you know, better to get him at at home, so mm-hmm. I just sure. think from, you know, we're still talking the same thing. It's just back in his Colorado days, 
you know, in his when when he was still hitting the ball a little bit harder, when he was on the road, the drop off wasn't quite as bad as it is now that he's lost. I think a little bit of bat speed and, and the launch angle is very pronounced, as you said. Uh, another high performer in May was Jose Altuve, who hit three thirty three with seven homers. Are you taking Story or Altuve rest of season? Uh, I'm going to take Story, which isn't a difference from uh, my preseason thoughts. I, I still think Story, because Altuve slowed down a lot. He's not going to steal as much. Um, Altuve might hit for a little bit better average, but even Altuve's average has come down, has come down from his you know days of hitting 300. Uh, I, think, I think they're probably... Fairly similar in power. Uh, I think uh, Altuve is probably, you know, uh, 28 to 32 homer guy, and Story is probably the same. So yeah, I, I think I'm taking I'm taking Story though, just because I think he's going to have a little bit more speed, and uh, I trust his power a little bit more. All right, I think that's fair. And then, as you mentioned, you kind of know should know at least a little bit about your team now. So it is a little bit of a question of do you need the average and kind of the consistency, I think, of the runs that Altuve is going to produce, or do you need the the speed from Story uh, and then, you know, take the hit with, with the average. So that one could just be player uh, team-dependent a little bit. Let's move on to another position, uh, first base, where Paul Goldschmidt is up to third at first base after a week of hitting 500 over 500. Third and what? On the player rater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, up to third at first base on the player rater for the season after having a 500, over 500 average week with three home runs. Um, I mean, the barrel rate's a little down, but everything looks pretty similar to last year. It is rest of season projections. Rudy has Goldschmidt as first baseman number six behind Vlad, Freeman, Olsen, Alonzo, and Rizzo. Uh, Alonzo also and Hoskins, uh, two guys that I want to mention who have also been hitting the ball well, both hitting over 300 in May, uh, both with uh, f- at least five home runs. So where are you at on Paul Goldschmidt amongst first basemen? Like I said, Rudy has some number six. Is there anybody in that group that Rudy has that you would potentially take Goldschmidt over? Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, I I like uh, I like Goldschmidt. I you know I I think he's probably safe. If you know, safe isn't necessarily exciting. Uh, you know, um, all the time. Not, but it's you know, I mean, it's valuable for sure. I would probably I'm completely concerned about Matt Olson, maybe because I I have him on teams, but I'm totally concerned there. But the other guys. I don't, I don't see Goldschmidt moving above the other guys anywhere, anywhere close to it. To be honest, I, I mean, I think Vlad Freeman, uh, Alonzo, and Goldie or Olson is really, I think, the biggest question. And then after it becomes more like, you know, do you trust Rizzo um, to continue? Because you know, in Yankee Stadium, the short porch, it's so easy for him. Do you do you trust? Uh, CJ Crone to continue or or do you or do you trust like Abreu to bounce back and not necessarily over Goldschmidt so 
I kind of I kind of agree with those rankings more or less um, when it comes to the rest of the season. I would say if if we went further into the rest of the season rankings, I'd probably say tie France over um, over Josh Bell um, and even over I'd probably say even over Jose Abreu at this point. I think Jose Abreu has gotten old. Uh, so that would mean so that means for people who are listening. So that means uh, I would probably say Rizzo, Crone, Ty France, Walsh, Bell, Abreu, Hoskins. So that change that's a pretty decent change from what Rudy's got down for the rest of the season. But the top, more or less, I think more or less uh, holds. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think. I think Rizzo's maybe the one that I would move over Goldschmidt um, or Goldschmidt over the, and I actually believe Rudy has made that adjustment in, in the numbers after they ran uh, either this morning or last night or whenever, whenever uh, Rudy ran his last update. So I think he's actually made that change too. I think Rizzo's average is just potentially uh, too low to kind of support uh, him him being in the top five or six first baseman. Uh, I would say I think Hoskins probably moves up a little bit for me. Just again, he's sitting really well right now, so that's probably just coloring my my glasses, my lenses a little bit. But if he can get on a good average, you know, run the the power is always going to be there for Hoskins. So I I think that that's maybe the one area that I might make the adjustment. And CJ Crone seems to be completely legitimate for this you know doing what he he does as cj crone so i mean i have i have no issue if you wanted to take him over goldschmidt either yeah yeah i mean i, I guess I, I feel like they're uh rizzo and crone are they're tied together in my eyes because they're kind of uh they're they're so environmentally friendly um not, i don't mean they recycle i uh i mean <laughs> their environment is super friendly for their production uh you know if if Crone is in a way in a way game, I mean, I could even see benching him in shallower leagues, depending on your options. And Rizzo, I mean, Rizzo was really hot early on, but he's cooled off a little bit. But you know what? They're it's they're kind of splitting hairs. So yeah, I don't have a problem with uh, with any of those really iterations of the rest of the season rankings. I think uh, you know, like I said, just Ty France, I feel like moves up a little bit in my eyes, but. Other than that, not, not too much. Okay. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. At JCPenney's Memorial Day sale, sizzling deals are on with storewide doorbusters all weekend. Or bring home savings up to 50% during our Memorial Day home sale. Save even more with your coupon. And for all former and active military personnel, enjoy an extra 10% off in-store. Just show a valid military or VA ID at checkout. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Coupon valid on select styles through 530. Some exclusions apply. Doorbusters valid 526 through 530 and excluded from coupons. See store or jcp.com for details. Let's move on to uh, some pitchers here. 
Robbie Ray, I mean, there was a time where we, we fell in love and, and whether it was the strikeouts or the pants, uh, you know, we, we were in love. But the last two outings, Boston, six innings, four earned, eight Ks, two walks, and then at the Mets, six innings, five earned, nine Ks. I mean, this is kind of the Robbie Ray that we were accustomed to. Um, he is better at home, 370 area at home, 564 on the road. More than double the walk rate on the road. Velocity's down from 94.83 last year to 93.46. Although his last two starts where he did get shelled have the velocity's been up over 94 at least, despite the crappy results. I mean, he's always been kind of a high threes, low fours, one three whip with a ton of strikeouts. Is he closer to that guy, or is he? Is there still hope that he's the guy from last year? Yeah, it's brutal, man. I mean, I I might have fell in love with his pants. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I I got I got sucked in, man. I was like, ah, oh, this guy wears spanks. I'm in. <laughs> Damn those spanks! They lied to me. I you know, he's so frustrating because I was so out on him last year, and then I was like, you know, a guy does that over 200 innings. It can't be a it can't be it can't be a lie. So I'm going to be in on that. And I got in on it this year, and now he sucks again. I hate him. Like, what is – what's he doing? Like, why Like why punish me? You know? Like, how is this uh, – okay, fair enough. It's not all about me, but in this case it is. It is about me. Oh, uh, man. You know, he's so frustrating. I, I – um, and I'm not really encouraged by his numbers at all. I mean, I wish, I you know, like a, a Tyler Mall, for instance, like it looks like he could be better than his, uh, you know, his peripherals are saying that he should be better. But Robbie Ray's peripherals are not saying that. They're not saying he should be better. Like they're they're literally saying the opposite. They're saying he's more or less exactly what he is right now, like which is. I mean, maybe a little bit lower on the ERA. Like his ERA, like you mentioned, four seven seven. That's a little bit high. Maybe he's closer to like a a three nine five ERA uh, pitcher, which sucks, man. I mean, that's not what I signed up for at all. I did not <laughs> sign up for that. That's like that's basically uh, Herman Marquez outside of Coors. Like, ah. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's like not cool, man. Not cool, dude. I'm I'm channeling the Big Lebowski. That's not cool, Robbie Ray. Uh, I don't know, man. I you know I don't I don't see anything really to say. Like you said, you said it pretty much when you read off his numbers. Like his velocity's down, his K's are down, his walks are up. This is from last year. Um, he is not an ace right now. I don't know if suddenly he finds that extra giddy up. He's in a really good uh, park in order to do it. So maybe, you know, maybe he has a string of like a month of like a good matchups all at home. And, you know, he has like a uh, he rattles off like a two and a half ERA for a month. And everyone's like, oh, Robbie Ray's back. And it's like, mm, not really. Robbie Ray's back as in his ass. And that's how we got in this problem. <laughs> that's what happened there because of his stupid pants. Uh, yeah, No, I don't know, man. Robbie Ray 
does not look as good as he did last year. He doesn't even really like, I mean, the command is better, but he doesn't even really look as good as when he was like a lunatic with walks back in Arizona, you know, like 2019 Robbie Ray looks better than 2022 Robbie Ray. And sadly, 2019 Robbie Ray had a 4.34 ERA. So that kind of tells you where I'm at with him. I mean, I, I think Robbie Ray is like a okay strikeout guy. And sadly, I think his his closest comp is like Herman Marquez outside of Coors, which is not good. Yeah, that's not great to hear. I think there's maybe a little bit of hope uh, just because it, it is a velocity-related thing, I I, I'm, I think. Um, so I think if we get the velocity back, the fastball plays up again. The slider is always pretty solid. So I'm not really worried about the slider necessarily. Like I said, the fastball is on its way up. So I do think there's a potential buy-low opportunity here. But I, I do think the numbers from last year are a bit of a lie. Where I don't think we're getting a, you know, a high twos, lows threes ERA. I, I think we're looking more again at, at a high three ERA guy, and hopefully the K's come back. That's kind of what you're hoping is that the K's really come back. That's what he was. That's that's really what I was counting on him just to be able to continue to do. Uh, so that better come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the uh, the slider, like no velocity. Well, not no, not not no velocity, but a down velocity and all sliders. It sounds like another guy who's struggling, uh, Shane Bieber, who's just been like, I mean, Shane Bieber. <laughs> I've never, I haven't seen someone so relying on a slider uh, since like a Dan Vogelbach's buffet uh, tray. I mean, it's like, dude, <laughs> Bieber just nothing but sliders. Like, come on, bro. Like, it, it, I mean, obviously, like, what's the problem? Like, honestly, I, I, I would like someone to be like, you know, just someone to be honest and be like, hey, man, I can't throw fastball no more or something like my arm hurts or or I just, my mechanics are screwed up? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's so obvious. And at some point, better hitters are going to be like, you know, and this is more about Bieber than Ray, but at some point, hitters are going to be like, well, he's always throwing a slider, so I'm just laying off every pitch until, and just sit fastball, and then I'm going to kill it. Eventually, he's got to throw a fastball. So, I don't know. But that's more on uh, Bieber than Robbie Ray. But Robbie Ray also has other issues. Anyway, go ahead, b Dunk. I mean, who would you rather have if if you're if you're betting on one to make a turn turnaround here? Would you rather have Bieber? Who's no, who, I mean, I Bieber's had like one one or two really bad outings. Uh, I mean, Robbie Ray. I mean, if you really look at it, it's had like three or four really bad outings. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not great either way. Uh, but who who if you have to bet on one for the rest of the season, who are you going with? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm always I'm a big proponent of the uh, the grass is always greener on the other side, and I don't have Bieber and I have Ray, so I'm gonna go Bieber <laughs> just to, just to get Ray off my teams <laughs> in my in my mind's eye. It's not happening in reality because I can't trade Robbie Ray to anyone in my action, in my leagues, but. <laughs> in my mind's eye, I am trading Robbie Ray right now for Shane Bieber. Oh, it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think I would take Bieber. And I I just think with Bieber's control, he's the type of guy who can kind of junk ball his way 
around the, the the velocity drop until he figures that out. I I don't know what's going on. He he doesn't know what's going on. He said he doesn't know what's going on. He just assumes <laughs> it'll come back at some point. I hope so. I really do, Shane. I really do. But yes, I would take him over Robbie Ray just because again, at least he has the control. Robbie Ray, if he loses the velocity and the slider is predictable, then uh, you know there's there's nothing left. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Somebody who's not having any trouble striking people out is Tariq Skubal. Uh Only two runs allowed in his four starts in May, 24 innings, 30 Ks, five walks, 0.75 ERA, 2.3 FIP, 34% K rate, 5.7% walk rate. Throwing the slider a little bit more, mixing in the sinker more with the four-seamer. I mean, Tariq Skubal looks like the guy that we were kind of promised uh, when we first heard about him as a prospect are you in on Tariq Skubal rest of the season yeah completely I I agree with you I think uh you know there is a there's like um an old uh I wouldn't really call it an adage um but there's a uh, a, a thing that people say <laughs> thing that's very specific that's a, a good good word choice there Gray. there's a thing that people say uh anyway so, um, you know, it, it's a, uh, a, a long time for now that uh, people have said that, uh, you know, the third year is usually when pitchers break out. Uh, you know, it's a uh, you know, it's obviously there's a lot of exceptions to that rule. But Scooble looks like he's doing it. I mean, it looks like he's taking that uh, standard route of being like, you know, the first time up uh, there's nerves and uh, he gets rocked here and there and there's some iffy outings. And then the next year, you know, he's, he's more stretched out um, and he has more good outings versus bad outings, but there's still some bad outings because he's not completely there yet. And then the third year is when everything comes together. It looks like Scooble is taking that route um, to his career. Like it looks like he, it's a, he's now in his third year and it looks like he is going to be, you know, as good as promised back when he was a prospect, which, you know, is I feel like is pretty rare nowadays. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, over uh, overestimate or under underestimate. Yeah. A lot of people underestimate how long it takes for a prospect to really come into his own, uh, you know, and, and people get all excited about, you know, the latest guy getting called up and, you know, there's going to be a lot of like bad starts, uh, especially for pitchers, uh, hitters also. I mean, we see we're, we're still waiting for Joe Adele, uh, you know, and he's, he's only 22. So, uh, anyway, not to get sidetracked on Joe Adele, but, uh, you know, Tariq Skubal is now breaking out as we thought he would. Um, so I think I, I would be buying him actually. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we can get, as long as he stays healthy, he should be able to get like 170 innings and he's showing, you know, really incredibly good command and he's always had strikeout stuff. So he's like definitely 
in that ballpark of what and he's uh, well speaking of ballparks he's in a great ballpark his uh you know comerica is great for pitchers so he's going to be in a situation where i mean the wins may not be there but you can't count on wins anyway so i i think scooble could be a solid number two um potentially at times a number one i not not quite an ace, but not bad. Like probably what you were expecting from like an Edward Rodriguez, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, you know, to use another uh, Tigers pitcher, probably what you were expecting from him. But yeah, or or maybe like uh, Tariq Skubal and uh, compare him to like a Shane Manaya for uh, fantasy value in that range maybe. But yeah, I, I like him a lot. And I, I think he is breaking out. Um, any thoughts? Be done. No, I think uh, between the, my, the little intro I gave and what you said, I think we covered a lot on, on where we're at on Scooble. I would say I think maybe uh, I might be even a little higher on him than you are, though. Uh, I, I think next season he's kind of that guy that as a, you know, as a Razzball drafter where we tend to wait on pitchers, he could be that guy that's kind of one of my targets as my SP1 or SP2 uh, as I, I tend to double up on those as I take them uh, a little bit later. So uh, I think he could be in that realm if he keeps the K rate up and, and just continues to do what he did. He's doing right now. Cause he, you know, he's always had the stuff and uh, it's just putting it all together. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. I think if his, uh, it'll probably depend on where his ERA ends up falling at the end of this year, but I could see, I could see him going in the range where this year you took like, the Gaussmans of the world. I could see Scuba going in that range and being a number one in in leagues for sure. All right, and so Scuba has all the pedigree in the world. We we saw him coming. We just it was just waiting and waiting for the for it to happen. A guy we did not see coming at all. I I never saw coming. Uh, Jeffrey Springs for Tampa Bay. <laughs> I mean, on the season he has a one three two WHIP, a zero point. Eight whip, or sorry, a one three two ERA, a zero point eight WHIP, twenty seven and a third innings, twenty seven strikeouts, a twenty seven percent walk walk or twenty seven percent K rate, seven percent walk rate. I mean, what are we doing with Jeffrey Springs? Who just, <laughs> I, I mean, again, he just came out of nowhere. It's a he's always been kind of a, a bullpen spot start guy, just never. Never really saw this coming, but all of a sudden, uh, he's putting up great numbers, Gray. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't—he didn't even start a game. Uh, he hasn't started a game since 2018 in the major leagues uh, when he was with Texas. Yeah, no, the the Rays basically, like, I think the Rays have—you uh, know—they when Nolan Ryan is sleeping, they sneak into his bedroom and they cotton swab his mouth to get his <laughs> DNA. And then they, they go to a New Mexico lab and they they create starters is what the Rays do. They and and they're like they're really bored too and they and, and not very creative and they're like, Oh, what do we name this one? Let's see. What does the calendar say? It says it's spring. Okay. <laughs> Let's call him that. Uh Jeff Springs. Um yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre that he's doing as well as he is. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, his peripherals aren't saying, aren't jumping off the page as being like, you know, a complete lie either. Like 
He's getting by definitely on command versus stuff. Like his fastball is not a, I mean, it's his fastball is down from last year, which isn't really totally shocking because last year he was used in a relief role. So, you know, as a starter that he's, you know, that he's pitching more innings per start is probably the cause for his velocity to be down. So that's not really like a shock to see, but I do think, like, if he can, like, he may be this year's, okay, I'll throw out a name for you. He may be this year's Ranger Suarez. I don't know if he's going to be, but that's, like, sort of how I, I'm viewing him right now. Like, I don't know if it's going to continue, but I see no reason why you shouldn't pick him up and roster him while he's doing it to see if it does continue. Will it continue? I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I have no clue. It doesn't look like it will. But in case it does, I mean, I would pick him up in every league for sure. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you in regards to just him needing to be rostered in every league. I can't explain it. I mean, I've looked at, you know, all the numbers, the usage, the 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 rates, the the numbers against the pitches. I really don't have anything to say that's changed in his arsenal other than I, you know, there's always that that changeup that Tampa Bay kind of has trademark that they teach to everybody, and he's thrown the changeup more since he got to Tampa Bay. So maybe there's something in the changeup that you know just is working with his mix, and mm-hmm. that's really led to it. But that's the only thing I can really I can see that's changed uh, since he moved to Tampa Bay. Like the velocity numbers haven't changed, the spin rate. The, ch- the movement really hasn't changed on, on any of the other pitches. So the only thing that really makes any sense to me is that he's learned uh, that, that Tampa Bay changeup. Right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's as good a reason as, you know, <laughs> cotton swabbing Nolan Ryan's mouth. I mean. <laughs> but, yes, roster him, enjoy it while you can. Um, I mean, everybody's getting blown up, and he hasn't yet. So knock on some wood, and we'll move on to Zach Eflin, uh, who – Went seven innings, two earned, 12 Ks versus the Dodgers on Sunday. Before that, he went six six innings, one earned, five Ks versus San Diego. He's replaced his slider with a cutter. How interested are you in Zach Eflin? Are, are you yeah. ready to roster him in like the same level you are with Springs? Uh, yeah. I think Scooble's above both those guys for me. Probably. Yeah, Scooble. Yeah, Scooble's above them. Scooble's a a legit pitcher. He's not, <laughs> there's no like smoke and mirrors with Scooble. Like Scooble, I'm comparing to like Manaya, uh, Charlie Morton, like it, it, assuming Charlie Morton gets his uh, shit right. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at with Scooble. Um, as Eflin, I, Eflin's numbers actually, so Eflin's numbers look better than Springs. Eflin's numbers look incredibly great they look like essentially like he is uh, a solid number uh three um he's got like you know his k's aren't amazing he's got okay k's but his uh, command is really remarkable so his command is so good that he's able to get by with like it, it just you know a a eight k per nine sort of situation where if he can keep the ball down, because he's always had problems with homers. And like I was saying, I believe I said this on Razball the other day, um, you know, like as we're seeing across the uh, the league with homers being down and the dead ball error, 
you know, coming back and <laughs> with pitchers who were, you know, hurting with homers allowed, that's giving that's given them, you know, a breath of fresh air, essentially like Eflin used to be really he used to struggle with homers allowed. And now that he's not giving up homers and that they're, you know, homers are down across the board. That's good for guys like Eflin and Eflin especially is doing really well. I mean, his command is so spot on that I could see a low three ERA from him. Uh, right now, his expected ERA is 223. I mean, that's just insane. I don't think that's going to continue, but, I mean, he's, like, he's with such pinpoint control, his exit velocity is 83.2%. Like, you know, for, if you don't know, that's really good. <laughs> that's that's top 1% in the league. I mean, that's like, that's excellent. That's about as good as you're going to find. So Eflin is a guy who I think he's another guy who should be rostered everywhere. Um, you know, at a certain point, it becomes like, you know, in shallower leagues, I get I get a lot of comments uh, from people like, you know, they'll say something like, okay, uh, Eflin and Springs are available. So which one? So that's what, that's when you get into a situation where it's like, well, what's their upcoming matchups? And I, I think, you know, today someone mentioned that Springs is going against the Yankees coming up. So that's not great. And Eflin, I, I don't know Eflin's matchup off the top of my head. But, you know, like sometimes you got to look at matchups and it doesn't really – like all guys, you know, just because I say that he should be rostered, it doesn't necessarily mean your league. If you have a shallow league, like you can't, you can't manage other people's teams. <laughs> like, you know, there might be other people's teams in your league in a 10 team league that they're just not rostering the right guys. So that's why F1 is available or Springs is available or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is. But yeah, F one's a guy who I would pro I would try and roster everywhere. If I had room, I mean, I, obviously, in a RCL, uh, a 12-team mixed league or deeper. I mean, Eflin's definitely a guy who should be on a team. Um, and, you know, in shallower leagues, it kind of depends on your situation, but he should probably be on a team in shallower leagues too. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Springs over Eflin just because there's – there's at least some mystery to Springs where the the K rate yeah, is no is there. totally sorry not to not to interrupt but I I told someone Springs over F1 okay. as well I I agree with that I'm just saying it depends on matchups and if you're in a shallow enough league and Springs is going against the Yankees and F1 is going against I don't know say the Pirates then you're going with the guy who's going against the Pirates it's just. It's just a matchup situation, but I think both of them are worth rostering. Yeah, they're actually both in New York. One, uh, Eflin's going to them at Mets, uh, oh, and then Springs is at Yankees. So, or okay, home, yeah, home for the Yankees, Yankees. Sorry, home for right. Yankees. So, oh, okay, home for Yankees. Oh, home for Yankees actually isn't is as bad. That's not, not as bad. Yeah, yeah, if he's in Tampa, anyway, uh, uh, go buy the streaminator, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> there okay. you go. But if I have yeah. to roster one, I'm going with Springs, and I'm, I'm probably even eating the Yankee matchup at home. Uh, but, yeah, go go buy the streaming in. Um, all right, let's talk about some call-ups. Gray, the Cardinals called up Norm, Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, and then the Pirates also called up Ronzi Contreras. Uh, I mean, let's talk about the pitchers first. We got Libertor and Contreras. 
which one are you prioritizing and are you picking up both? And, and again, let's talk about them in relation to like Springs and Eflin, who are also, again, pickups in shallow leagues, but rostered in most other leagues. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, so I'll I'll say that up front and Springs and Eflin are above both of these call ups I, I, by by a decent amount. Even I, I think, you know, you're hoping for a, a fantasy number five from uh, Libertor or Contreras. Libertor, by the way, it sounds like a, um, a drug like a, <laughs> it sounds, sounds like, like you a should colon be, drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you should be hearing like. 15 seconds of side effects after every time you say <laughs> Lipitor. <laughs> could cause diarrhea. Okay, so um, <laughs> could cause runs, um, d- depending on the matchup. Uh, so Lipitor, I think, is uh, like safer than Contreras. So Lipitor, I think, has better command um, and just maybe a little bit less on the Ks, but better command, lower upside, but Contreras, I don't count. I don't. I don't trust Contreras to be honest. I, you know, I, I uh, one love to everything going on in the Pittsburgh area. Those are my people. Hey, Yinzers, what's going on? I love you, but your team's a mess and they ruin everything. <laughs> We're still waiting for Mitch Keller. I mean, what is this? Is it is it twenty twenty two? Mitch Keller came up three years ago. He's still awful. I mean, I don't trust Contreras. I. I don't. I'm honestly surprised so many people do trust Contreras. That they're like, oh wow, yeah, in a 12 team mixed league, I would pick up Contreras. Like, you really? I wouldn't. <laughs> no, thank you. Ah, hey, one love, but no, I would not pick up Contreras. Libertor, yeah, I, I mean, in the right matchups, I think Libertor's command is okay. That he's able to avoid like really awful outings. Um, I, you know, I think, I think Contreras has a bigger upside in, in general, probably for this year, maybe, uh, you know, uh, for his career, like Contreras is still very young. So we'll see, maybe if Contreras is traded to the Rays in three years, maybe we'll, we'll see him break out, but I don't <laughs> trust the Pirates. I don't trust Contreras or the Pirates, man. And I especially don't trust Contreras with his four, uh, four point nine uh, uh walk per nine in the in triple a i mean are you kidding me like he can't i mean he's walking minor league hitters minor league hitters don't walk like what <laughs> i would not i wouldn't go near Contreras, man no way bro no way no way man all right anyway. <laughs> all right i i think uh, i'm on the other side of this one i actually will take Contreras over libertor just because I, I want the upside if I'm going to grab a prospect, and, and Contreras has it. I mean, the he throws 97. He's got a nasty, nasty slider. Give me the upside. Neither are really – I I don't think either are superior control guys. Libertor is maybe a little bit better because he, he throws softer, uh, but I don't think it necessarily means – to me, I, he's not that much better in the control side uh, than Contreras. So – I'm going to take my shot there, but I understand where you're coming from. But, yes, I believe the two guys we talked about before are prioritized above both those call-ups in mainly as much as anything just because they have a pretty assured spot in the rotation at this point. Right. Yeah, no, agreed. So then uh, Nolan Gorman, I actually I, 
I got him in a few leagues, so I I know he's going to be awful. (laughs) I apologize now for that. That's just, I mean, unfortunately for his career, it's going to get derailed real fast (laughs) because I I picked him up. Uh, I think, you know, I think Nolan Gorman, uh, I'm kind of interested in seeing how he does with, like, strikeouts because strikeouts were a big issue for him in the minors. So I could see him potentially hitting for a really bad average and maybe the occasional homer and getting benched. Um, you know, he got benched the other day. I, I could see him sitting against lefties for sure. So that makes him difficult for uh, shallower um, weekly leagues. Um, now, if you can platoon him, if you're in an, if you're in a uh, a daily league and you can platoon him in and out of your lineup, then he's fine for any league. I mean, I would pick him up in a, a 10 team mixed league. If I, if I could platoon him in and out, cause I, I really like him. but in a weekly league, you're going to have to weigh your options because he is going to platoon and he may, there may be a point I could see him getting dropped from leagues. Uh, you know, if he starts striking out a lot and you know, the cards might not even continue playing him if he starts striking out a lot, but he is, a big time power guy. He could hit, you know, thirty homers in, you know, in the majors for sure easily. But it's gonna be, it's gonna come down to how many strikeouts he gets and uh, whether or not he can stay, you know, if he can make enough contact, really. Yeah, he he definitely had a had an issue in in AAA this year with the K's, but it's weird. Like he didn't have an issue in AAA in twenty twenty one. He had a 19% K rate over 76 games. So I don't know. It seems like he has he tends to have an issue with K's and then kind of gets it under control, you know, the following season. So that, I wonder if maybe this, this year is high K and then he kind of gets it under control next year with, with a little less hype around him. But he did have 15 home runs in 34 games in AAA this year. So I also have a theory that, Last year, he was very disciplined, you know, sub-20% K rate, hit 14 runs, 274, 320, 465, and the Cardinals didn't call him up. So this year, he just said, screw it, I'm just going to swing for the fences until they they get me a call up. 15 home runs, 34 games with 34% K rate, and he gets the call up. So I, I don't know, you know, sometimes the numbers just speak, so maybe he just went for the home runs and just started ripping for the fences. I don't know. But I, I do think Gorman is somebody you can look at if you're looking at, at power or just somebody you, if you're, you need somebody at middle infield or second base because there are tons of injuries and bad performers at that position that you could be looking for anybody right now. Mm-hmm. All right, Gray, let's talk about some bullpen and some waivers before we get out of here. Do you have anybody that you want to mention in the bullpens that uh, might be coming into some some saves here for people oh yeah um so Araldus chapman sounds like he's going on the il uh as we record this so clay holmes man i mean he looks like clay holmes i was saying i, I think i said this on the site um uh, maybe i maybe i didn't i don't know I, I say a lot of nonsense but um he looks like he could be like a, a top five closer if he has the opportunities so I, you know, I'm all in on Clay Holmes. I have him in a bunch of leagues. I I picked him up weeks ago. I told people on the site to pick up Clay Holmes weeks ago just because of his middle relief work. Uh, He's easily, 
like easily worth rostering if he's not getting saves. If he's getting saves, I mean, Clay Holmes or Rossiel Iglesias, I think is, I mean, the Yankees are a great team. They're going to give him a ton of save opportunities. Like if Holmes is the closer in New York, man, I mean, that's a huge, that is like one of the, that's like a pickup of the year. If you can, uh, if he gets saves for the rest of the year. Now, Aroldis Chapman isn't done for the year. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. He says he has tendonitis, I believe. Um, so, you know, maybe he comes back. But he also wasn't very effective when he was pitching. So this could be one of those scenarios where, like, Aroldis Chapman disappears for weeks, if not months. Like, Clay Holmes could potentially, like, take the closer role and run with it. You know, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but he does have like his like his his numbers are actually kind of it's interesting to look at his numbers because he's really it's really apparent what's going on. He keeps the ball down his ground balls. He has 83 percent ground ball rate and almost no walks. I mean, he has two walks in almost 22 innings uh, as of this recording. So, I mean, he doesn't put anyone on and he gets a ton of ground balls. Now, that could mean seeing eye ground balls where, you know, if he gets a little bit unlucky, like, you know, things could things could trickle out of uh, literally out of the infield and and cause problems. But for the most part, his numbers are adding up. They make sense, like on on their face. And if he can hold on to a closer role in New York, I mean, they're going to win games. It could really be huge. Outside of him for, uh, you know, bullpens? I don't know. I mean, Matt Barnes got a save this past weekend, but he sucks. (laughs) (laughs) He sucks, dude. He sucks. Matt can't hit the side of a Barnes. That's what I call him. I I don't actually. That was the first time I ever said that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's also, like, in um, (laughs) – there's Cincy. There's the Art Warren nonsense in Cincy. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with it really. There's a bunch of bullpens. I'm not really messing with, um, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on in Miami. They wanted Bender, but I mean, Floro's still been there, um, from the window to the Floro. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's like, and Seattle still doesn't really have, I mean, Seattle doesn't seem like they like Seattle and Minnesota. They don't actually seem like they want to choose someone. They have guys to choose. They just don't want to choose them. Uh, and that's uh, Paul Sewold and um, Duran in Minnesota. I, or even Pagan hasn't been awful. But I, I think it's probably Duran or Seawald if the managers were to choose guys. But they're not choosing them. And we're already – we're heading into June and no one's been chosen. They're not going to choose. Uh, like I, I think even Baldelli has specifically said – He's not choosing a closer. So he's never going to choose anyone. So it's probably going to be Pagan and, Dur- and Duran, um, you know, and in Seattle, I don't even know. I, service, I, I, don't, I don't know if he wants to choose someone, but it doesn't seem like it. So maybe Giles returns at some point in June, July. But, yeah, I don't know. Not, not, not great scenario. Not great situations. Um, I would – I would probably ro- I would roster Duran for sure. I would roster Pagan. I would roster Seawold, 
But after Seawold in Seattle, I don't think I would really, I don't think I'd speculate any deeper. Like I wouldn't, I don't think I'd mess around. Like I, if I had an IL slot, I would IL Ken Giles, but I don't think I'd mess with Nunez or Steckenrider or, or uh, Castillo or I, I don't think I'd mess with any of them unless I was real desperate or the league was where it was like an AL only league and it was deep league, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Wait, any thoughts? No, I, I think I'm with you on pretty much everything you said. I'll say any Ian Kennedy probably needs to take a look at, you know, Mark Belanson obviously has had uh, his share of struggles this year. He's been the Mark Belanson we expected last year when he led the league in saves. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I think that's somebody you can look at Ryan Helsley, potentially um, for St. Louis, Gallegos has had his share of issues this this year as well. He's gotten it kind of straightened out a little bit, but Helsley has been great. And whether you're looking, I mean, obviously we want saves, but even if you just get pick up Helsley and, and throw him in there, he's been very valuable this year. Um, he's currently sixth on the player radar. By the way, Clay Holmes, who we've been talking about like since week four, three, week three, week four, He's number one. He's number one on the player radar for relief pitchers. So you can get value out of these guys with just strikeouts, the random wins, the the few saves. Um, that that's all valuable as as long as the you know they're they're pitching great, which these guys are. That is actually. I mean, you say that, and it's that's actually shocking to me uh, because I know Josh Hader's having an incredible year so far, but you're right. And Clay Holmes is, and and Josh Hader isn't even number two. Uh, Taylor Rogers is number two. So wow, that's that's pretty surprising. Um, anyway, yeah, so just something to uh, consider as you're looking at it. There is value in just great numbers and strikeouts and plenties, which they're they're doing. Helsley's added like two miles per hour to his fastball, which is upping the K rate to somewhere he's never been. Let's talk about some waiver guys real quick, Gray, and then let's get out of here. Okay. Uh, so Cole Calhoun's been hot. Um, Kiermaier's been hot. Bader's been hot. Um, I like, you know, I, I think um, Adelaide Rushman was called up. Uh, we, we talked about him in the last mm-hmm. two weeks, so people can go back and listen to those. Uh, my thoughts on him uh, – I compared him to Omar Navaris uh, for people who are just joining us. Um, I, you know, I don't have, uh, I don't really have strong feelings on uh, like, uh, whatchamacallit, Andrew uh, Velasquez uh, has been hot, but, you know, or Jonathan Villar, uh, uh, Viar. I mean, I think people know, I think people know that they're just hot bats and not much more. Um out of all the guys that I've mentioned, I don't see any of them really breaking out and being like guys that you're going to want to have on your team for more than like their hot streak. I don't know. Maybe Cole Calhoun if he stays hot, but we've seen this before. We know where this is going. So right now, I mean, he's hot. Um, Harrison Bader, I think, is worth rostering. And I mean, Harrison Bader's been hot. But I think he's worth rostering outside of just being hot. I think he's like, especially if you need uh, steals, which, you know, everyone really needs, Um, you know, on the pitcher front, 
Hunter Green had a great week last week um, on my bench, so that was fun. Uh, I think uh, uh, Brady Singer is a guy. Actually, Brady Brady Singer is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about him next week in the main part of the show and not just being a waiver guy. I think there might be something to Brady Singer beyond just having a couple good starts. I think I think there could be something there. Um, Martin Perez had a good week. And he's and he's been good for the season so far, but I, I don't. Mar, Martin Perez is so boring. I, I can't. Yeah. I don't know. A, anyone? Anyone you got there, beat on? Uh, no, I, I mean I think you you named a lot of guys. I think Yaz Junior is interesting with Belt going to the D, the IL. He should get a little bit more playing time. Um, Tyler Naquin's been been hitting well. I think VR's uh, interesting only because he's been hitting at the top of the lineup for the Cubs. So any anytime you can find a guy off the waiver who's going to hit one or two for a team, that's pretty rare. So if you're chasing some runs, I think VR, even though he is who he is, and I kind of hate him as a baseball player fundamentally, uh, can actually provide some value right now. Um, I, I, I'm with you that I think Cole Calhoun is probably the guy that I'm looking at other than maybe Bader and obviously Adley that we've talked about, they could potentially provide full season. I mean, the last time we saw a healthy Cole Calhoun, he was like a 30 home run bat or at least pacing for that. He's always had some injury issues, uh, at least in the last few years, he's had some injury issues, but when he's been on the field, he's, he's always hit for power. So I think there is something there. Um, Emmanuel Rivera, if you're looking for a guy with dual eligibility, is is interesting. If you're just scrounging the waiver wire and there's nothing uh, left there. I did pick up Colton Wong in a very shallow league. So if Colton Wong got dropped, he's been absolutely on fire as well. All right. Yeah, no, good. Yeah, no, those are good names. I think also uh, uh, Royce Lewis has been playing third in the minors. So the Twins are... You know, as much as they're manipulating his service time with uh, Correa there, I mean, they are trying to figure out how to get him in the lineup, obviously. So they're going to Royce Lewis is going to be back and and probably, you know, be playing third uh, for the twins. I would I wouldn't be surprised if maybe by the next time we're, we're talking on the podcast, maybe uh, beginning of June. I mean, he, he'll be back probably pretty soon. Yeah, I think as soon as they feel comfortable with his defense, he comes up. And then I think once he's up this time, he's not going anywhere. Right. No, completely. Yeah. No, he, they're they're trying to get him comfortable with third to bring him back. And once he comes back, he's, he's up for yeah, good. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. As always, if you have specific comments, questions, whatever, you can go to the leave them to us in the comments on the the podcast post, or you can send them to us on Twitter. I am at Razbeaton. Gray is, of course, the at Razball account. And we'll talk to you next week. All right, lads.
at JCPenney's Memorial Day Sale, sizzling deals are on with store-wide doorbusters all weekend. Or bring home savings up to 50% during our Memorial Day home sale. Save even more with your coupon. And for all former and active military personnel, enjoy an extra 10% off in-store. Just show a valid military or VA ID at checkout. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Coupon valid on select styles through 530. Some exclusions apply. Doorbusters valid 526 through 530 and excluded from coupons. See store or jcp.com for details. At JCPenney's Memorial Day Sale, sizzling deals are on with store-wide doorbusters all weekend. Or bring home savings up to 50% during our Memorial Day home sale. Save even more with your coupon. And for all former and active military personnel, enjoy an extra 10% off in-store. Just show a valid military or VA ID at checkout. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Coupon valid on select styles through 530. Some exclusions apply. Doorbusters valid 526 through 530 and excluded from coupons. See store or jcp.com for details.